Hi, I'm Abe. I'm Josh. I'm Anas. And welcome to the Chalk My Back podcast. In today's episode, we'll be going over some of the notable differences when training a man versus a woman, and we'll discuss some of the earliest influences that we've had that got us into lifting. Now, disclaimer, we understand that there are people who identify outside of the binary spectrum. We don't have any experiences uh, in training. Anybody who identifies as somebody other than a man or a woman, I may not even put this in the podcast, but I'm going to I'm going to include it because I may need to. Uh, so these are this this in no way covers all the differences. This is in no way a objective list. Was well, it subjective or objective? Uh, subjective. Subjective. Yeah, this is in no way an objective list. This is just our subjective experiences when training uh, men and women in our experience. Yeah. All that being said. Anas, kick yeah. us off. Oh, I'm kicking you off. Okay. Um, I mean, honestly, I think you should kick us off. You've had more experience uh, coaching women oh, than I have. Okay. I, I mean, I've trained a few, but I would in no way say that I'm an expert in the in the in the field. Um, Josh, why don't you kick us off? <laughs> okay, I'll kick us off. So, usually. What I've noticed from like my limited experience from training um, few males, couple females here and there, is that um, females they they tend to handle like longer duration blocks, blocks being like weeks of training, and sometimes it can handle like a little bit more frequency than males can. Females are usually a little bit better at program adherence too versus males because uh they're they like to be more in tune with their training versus guys sometimes just like to push training numbers um males tend to spend more time higher percentages and higher rpe while some females tend to favor lower rpe standards because i've seen that they like to try to build confidence uh with um, lower percentages, lower RPE. <laughs> I've had similar experience oh, in terms of uh, some of the women that I've trained being able to hander, handle higher volume. Um, and that could be a result of a few things. I mean, it may not be a result of them being women in particular. It may also be the fact that they have been lower body weight in comparison to other athletes that I've trained. Most of the men that I've trained have been uh, around 66 kilograms, 74 kilograms, and 83 kilograms. Okay. Whereas some of the women have been 57, 52 kilograms, uh, maybe even a little bit less. But uh, that, that may also have something to do with it. But um, in terms of day-to-day training, um, some of the women I've trained have had uh, more... Uh, more to say in terms of the training, in terms of being open about what works and what doesn't work, uh, being in tune with with their bodies and uh, giving candid feedback about the training cycles. Because at the end of each uh, week, I do like to check in with my athletes and get a status update, what's going on inside the gym, what's going on outside the gym. And uh, historically, some of the women I've trained have been more open about holistically what's going on inside and outside the gym 
uh, to help account for variations in, in training cycles. Are there differences with their, like, the way they respond to you versus how, like, a guy would tell you something? So, like, let's say well, they have, like, the same the same issue. Would Would a guy tell you it? the same issue differently than like the girl would does that What's make your any sense what do you think my, and from my experience i feel like some of the women some of the women i've trained have been more emotionally mature to be able to pinpoint how they feel about certain things and that they are they they do express uh what they like and what they don't like mm-hmm. but have you have you experienced a similar um, a similar experience when training a woman versus training a man? Uh, kinda. Like, when it comes to talking about things like fatigue and, like, how tired they are, um, girls will be more upfront with it, and they'll just straight up tell you. Sometimes um, guys like to, like, quantify it in different ways to make it sound like they're they're not doing too bad. Yeah. Yeah, would you program different for a man or a woman, or how how would you uh, how would you make that deciding factor? I mean, I usually just start. I usually like starting at a, like a conservative amount of volume, so I don't like to give them uh, give anyone actually like an insane amount of volume. So I usually start with the least amount of work they can do to make the most amount of progress. Um, for for women, I mean, I think the main reason they can they can do more volume or they respond better to more volume is they're usually working with less absolute weight. So it's not, uh, it's not as taxing as someone who's squatting mm-hmm. like 500 pounds. If you have a female squatting 200 pounds, the absolute weight plays a big factor in um, like your recovery. Like you don't, you don't need three days to recover from 200 pound squat versus a 500 pound squat. So I think the absolute weight plays a big factor mm-hmm. in, how much uh, how much volume they, they can handle? Yeah, I agree. That's why I don't I don't know if the differences that I've experienced in my athletes have been necessarily because of gender. Like I mentioned previously, I think body weight has a, a larger impact. And like Anas said, that um, that absolute weight because I think the absolute we, weight on the bar rather than their body weight, rather than than their body yeah, weight. Then, yeah, yeah. I think okay. the, the weight on the bar plays a bigger factor than uh, a person's mm-hmm. body weight. And also, I mean, you have to take into account uh, like different leverages. Like women tend to be a little bit shorter. So they're moving uh, those kind of weights a little bit. Um, they're not moving them in a longer range of motion. They're usually in a less range, less range of motion. So it's not that plays a factor as well in uh, how much volume they can handle. Have you seen any difference with how they express their strength close to their uh, one rep max? Um, you mean like how frequently that they can train at that yeah, uh, that like, higher intensity of training? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally, because they're um um yeah, since they're since they're since, don't, since they don't need long time to recover, you can probably they can probably train closer to competitions. It's like um. For for a male, he probably need to like do his last squat session, like his last light squat session, like three days out. Where for a female, you can do it two, maybe even a lighter uh, session one day out, and they're they can probably feel fine. 
Like, I mean, as far as um, like the intensities they can handle, um, generally um, they can handle more work at higher intensities. And that's, again, that has to do with absolute weight on the bar, I would say. What are your thoughts, Abe? I mean, I... I, I, I tend to look at each athlete on an individual basis anyways um, when assessing how to uh, program into any sort of meet. I would like to work with somebody for a few cycles, training cycles that each cycle could take four to five weeks um, in order for me to get a, a good feel for the type of intensity, frequency, and what type of exercises they best respond to. Um, I, I haven't seen too many notable differences um, in the amount of intensity that uh, the female clients that I've trained can handle. Uh, Saying that my training style hasn't shifted too much, but in the time where I was training more women, um, I definitely was, I was incorporating a higher frequency of of the big three just in general. Mm -hmm. So at the moment, the two lifters that I have at the, are, right now are, or the lifters that I have now are, are young. Like they're, you know, yeah. 19, 20. Yeah. Uh, and they are, they're lighter males. So comparing them to the females that I've trained they're I mean, they, they're handling a similar amount of, of, uh, of, well, they'll hand, they're handling a sim- similar amount of, of, intensity yeah and frequency no not relative weight because i mean well i guess relative weight would be relative to their max yeah relative to their training yes yeah yeah exactly but i think i think the biggest factor in in programming for a female athlete is going to be hormonal uh consideration um oh yeah for sure making sure that you know meat prep and everything doesn't fall too close um, and you know, different women respond differently to their menstrual cycle. So understanding your athlete is imperative in any case, but especially a female athlete and, and having the conversations of, you know, how they respond or how they perform in the gym during their menstrual cycle and into a meet so that you can account for body weight fluctuation. If they're retaining water, if they have to, you know, if they're close to their weight class, uh, putting extra consideration into that, you know, if they are familiar with how their body works, you know, they may say, Hey, I can't compete in that meet particularly because I'll, I know I'll be overweight. Like I know I won't make the weight because of, you know, whatever, um, whatever water weight they may put on. Or I've, I've seen strength fluctuate as well. Um, you know, weight that should be seen as a, a moderate intensity sometimes looks heavier you know, during those hormonal, uh, cycles as well. So that is the biggest difference, um, that I've, in terms of my consideration as a coach when training a woman versus a man, obviously, cause you know, a man's not going to have a menstrual cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they're a person who identifies as a man and they still do, which is completely fine. I'm okay with that. I'm just, I've not had the, uh, the privilege of training anybody who's had that, that experience, but I'd be hundred percent open to it. Chalk my back. We're a podcast that believes of inclusivity. We don't. Yeah, we want we don't Camel to sponsor that... us. What? We want Camel to sponsor us. We want Camel to sponsor us. Inclusive. Yeah. Nah. I mean, honestly, just to pe- to peel back the curtain a little bit, um, I think that we can all 
agree that there's a lot about women that we don't know. Each athlete is going to have individual differences, and that when you're when you're looking at what's what what works best for your athlete, you have to take individual differences into account. That, that was that was everything you want to talk about for for the females. No, for do you have anything else? Yeah, no, I, th- I think mm-hmm. I mean you Maybe. covered most of it as far as the, um this. Yeah, you could track. Because well, the thing is, I don't think there's many differences. I really don't. There, there isn't. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say there is many differences. Um, but I would say, like, if I have a lifter who's a male and they're not making progress, like my first, my first choice wouldn't be to kind of give them more work or kind of to yell yeah. at them or no, not yell at them. I'm saying like, I wouldn't, my first option wouldn't be like, okay, I don't think, I think they need more work to make progress. But for a female, like I would consider it, uh, I would consider it more. So if they're not making progress, you would give a female more work to do versus would, a, a male yeah. if they would, weren't okay yeah I, w- I would definitely like i would have to go back and look at the training and see if there is anything else that i could that i could possibly change without adding more work for them to make progress but if everything else checks out like they're they don't seem overtrained like they don't seem overtrained they're now super fatigued they're recovering from the work fine their technique looks fine like mentally they're there isn't anything outside outside of training that that could be in, uh, influencing their training. I would be like, okay, well, everything checks out. I'll, I would my my option. I would go for like either an increase in volume. Maybe I would increase some frequency if everything else checks out. Like that's what I would do. But for a male, I would probably give it a little bit more time before I jump into. Uh, a more like a more demanding training program also another preconception that i had previously when training women is that i had to be softer with them for whatever reason i thought that you know i needed to be like i needed to sugarcoat things or I, i couldn't be as strict and uh like i quickly realized that that was wrong like when with my female athletes i was i was just as hard on them in terms of my my like your expectation Oh. Yeah, I don't want to use the word hard on them, but I was, I was, I was, I was as honest with them as I was with any of my other lifters in terms of how I felt in regards to their execution of things. So if I felt yeah. they weren't putting a hundred percent into it, I, I eventually realized that I had to be open about it, and that I shouldn't be like, you know, softer or or more delicate because they're women. Yeah. So you know, I, I realized that women can handle as much brutal honesty as men. Sometimes more. Do you, do you yeah. think they they can they can be a little bit more emotional than men? Like if you if you give them feedback and if you tell them like your squat looks like I don't think that squat looked good. I mean I don't think you'll tell yeah. them like that. Like if you're if you give them some feedback and they thought like that lift looked mm-hmm. looked good, and they're like, oh well, I thought that was that was a good lift on like and like you you think like they'll get emotional about like about that kind of stuff. Um, I think they're more open with their with it with emotions. I, I don't know if they're more emotional, but I think that, um, yeah, I, I can I can recall having, you know, conversations, deeper conversations about you know technical um, critiques that I'll give because of how I saw something, how versus my athletes saw it. 
Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. Actually, I mean, sometimes yeah. I think uh, programming has to adjust to the person's personality as well. Because some some yeah. females would, like if they're doing bench singles or singles in general, and like if they do a block and they they got some PRs, but the next block they're doing singles again and they don't see the progress they they were hoping for, they might have like a negative response to, response to that. Uh, so I think programming should adjust as well to like the person's like personality, like if they're an emotional lifter and if they need. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Emotional lifters definitely should. You should take consideration into like making sure that they you you reduce the amount of times that they have opportunity to fail. Is that what you mean? Yeah. If you, you ha- I think you have to show them um, progress. Like if they're not seeing progress, they might have a. Like a negative response to it. Yeah, absolutely. A lifter's mentality is a huge, a huge consideration into the progress of a cycle. Um, like low hanging fruit, showing showing um, or having like benchmark goals where you're not necessarily. And you mentioned this in a previous podcast on us where you're not chasing a number, uh, or maybe maybe the number you're chasing is nerfed in whatever way. Uh, I think emotional emotional lifters in general definitely as a as a coach when you're coaching when you're when you're you know programming for an emotional lifter there needs to be a buffer in place so that and again I said it I said it but you have to make sure that they don't shoot themselves in the foot so that if they happen to have like a bad day or whatever the case is that contributes to maybe them either not performing as well in the gym or at a meet so that they don't quit so that they don't get down in the dumps. Cause I feel like at, at a meet specifically having somebody do poorly on squats and if they're really emotional can set them up for failure for bench and deadlift. Even if they're, even if they know squat is the, the worst lift like bench and deadlift are there better lifts? If they do bad on squats, mentally they get in their heads, and then the whole meat is is kind of shot. Unless you know how to bring them back. I've followed a, I've followed a, a female lifter because I couldn't find her after she didn't. She's she, I I can't remember if she if she missed her first attempt or or whatever. But on squat, I had to follow her because she ran away because she missed it, and she was oh, she man. was upset that she missed it. It was a whole thing, emotional ride, and then she came back and she did good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, okay. Well, I think that's one thing that's that could be a big difference, like how how like the emotional response yeah. from a female versus a male that plays a factor mm-hmm. in how you want to structure your programming and um, like how you want to handle them. Like, do you want to go a little bit conservative so they're so they don't like the risk of missing is a little bit lower and like they don't have like a panic attack. <laughs> but I think and also like you were talking yeah. about overall, I think that's a good way of training in general. Yeah. Right. Male or female, yeah. Do you and think that men have bigger egos than men than women? Yeah. yeah. Uh generally I think, uh, yes. women can be a little bit more objective. So you're saying that women have a less likely a less likelihood of being ego lifters than uh than a male would? Yeah, I think there's um I think they're more likely to adhere to the program like like Josh said. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, that makes that is and, uh 
and I've I've noticed too. That's something I could I could agree with. That um like in terms of like how how they process, I guess like training for a meet, um, guys will see it more like objectively. So they'll push themselves because they see those numbers and they want to increase those numbers. Versus, at least from my experience, like most females just go to like have fun or to just like hang out with their friends. Like they they want to push their mm-hmm. numbers, but it's not as much as a priority as you know, guys. Because so you, again, we have say a they're ego not as we want. Um, that depends on the. Lifter. Oh, see, that's the thing, though. I disagree. I I disagree because yeah, I think it. Uh, I've had I've had the 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 pleasure of of, of you know, uh, coaching athletes who were who knew each other or were friends in in previous competitive uh spaces so like in high school sports and so i know that they competed they tried to coordinate their meets together in order to uh outdo one another like a friendly competition like like most lifters do um and like it was you know it was at at times um highly competitive very competitive like i remember when one of my athletes hit her first uh 135 pound bench so a 45 plate on each side and she was like over the moon i remember i was in class at the time and she sent me a message on uh facebook messenger a video and um like i i she was so she was so excited so it's, it's kind of a it's kind of a, a mixed bag depending on the person Probably, yeah, it's I will probably say more that personality of- than anything. Yeah, generally, I don't think there is yeah. many differences um, as people expect. But from the from the from the females I worked with, like I haven't really had to um, like hammer work. Like it wasn't really a lot of volume compared to yeah. my my other lifters. Maybe sometimes even I had to give them like less than my my my, my male lifters. Um, but I think. As they get yeah. closer to their, to their potential, they they could they should they probably need to do more than more than a male. Yeah, I don't know if this has anything to do with it. And again, maybe you guys know more from a scientific level, but I, I remember in some of like my old science classes, my old anatomy classes, where it was identified that um, women have a, a larger subcutaneous level of uh, fat underneath their skin. So like like they have a, a a higher amount of of that like small thin layer underneath the skin of like fat which can aid to their um ability to handle higher volume i don't know if that's and then again, this is not a science podcast like we're not this is not a case study that you can use in your in your doctorate that's just something that i remember hearing um in like my old science classes that i kind of attributed to why you know because i'd always heard that that women can handle higher volume and that they could handle higher workloads and that they needed that in, in order to improve. I don't know if that's true as much as the absolute number that's on the bar. Cause I could, I could, I could take a 52 K, uh, kilogram woman and whatever is below a 66 kilogram male. I don't know if that's even a weight class 57. No, that's, that's women still 66, 59, 63. Yeah. Males are fifty-seven 59. kilogram women. Okay, yeah, whatever the whatever the I could take a woman and a male of a similar body weight, 
And I would I would think that their programming would be relatively similar, not accounting for their individual differences. Yeah, like my experience doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the experience for everybody. Because like we said, individual differences, I feel like have a higher influence to what you should uh, program for your athlete and how you should handle the relationship, the client-coach relationship. But um, in terms of men and women, you're... You're bound to have some differences, biological yeah. differences. Yeah. Agreed. And that's okay, because at the end of the day, we're all people. All right. So now being three men talking about training women. All right. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> okay. <let's... laughs> keep that in the book. Okay. All, all, right, right. all right. All right. All right. Now the moment that, you've all been waiting for. Keep that in. Keep that in. Now let's talk about our biggest influences that first got us into lifting. Mine was uh, T-Nation. I've talked about this maybe on the first podcast and uh when i when i first started got when i got into lifting t nation was my one-stop shop for programming for articles about lifters it was t nation and i you know I'm, i may be detecting a level of judgment from josh and anas about about that um because i don't know i, I don't know if t nation necessarily uh, aligns with the USAPL. Um, T Nation, for those who don't know what it is, uh, was a website. It was like an online forum uh, regarding powerlifting, but it was more of the powerlifting that you see like Louis Simmons, Dave Tate, um, Dan Green, a lot of like the, the, the hardcore kind of like you see, tattooed up bodies and like tribal armband, which is nothing wrong with that. And honestly, Wendler five three one was my introduction into powerlifting. I learned a lot about different styles of powerlifting, like conjugate. I learned about the Russian. Um, what, what's what's his name? Uh, Shako was he? Is he Russian or Bulgarian? But a lot of the European <laughs> style of powerlifting as well. And and I'm not ashamed of that. You know, Dave Tate's "So You Think You Can Bench" was one of the biggest contributing factors to to my early early gains. Um, and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known about any of that without T Nation. I have questions. Okay, so your influence your influence is a website. Okay, so uh, how did you how did you stumble upon about this website? Yeah. <laughs> Like Reddit, really? Reddit, yeah. Reddit was. I think it was a link. Like there must have been some link to. And I remember this is this is how vivid the memory is. I remember yeah, in my freshman just, or no, it was my sophomore. Perusing Reddit and it just popped up. Yes, it was. It was a class that was in a computer lab. So like the teacher was in the front, and then all of the students were facing the teacher with our la- with our monitors facing away from the teacher. So uh, instead of doing the work i was just reading t nation articles and then i would after that class i would go to the gym the on-campus gym and i would incorporate whatever training methodology i just read about and like i said wendler 531 was a, a it was a free program and it was a template that i could download and then i would i would work on it and then after the cycle i would just alter it a little bit here and there and then that's how i got into training that's how i got into coaching 
all right that's that's pretty fair i guess thanks i mean honestly (laughs) (laughs) your your validation means nothing to me (laughs) (laughs) i remember reading uh articles that was when uh chris duffin was uh was kabuki i don't think it started yet he's probably still writing for elite fts yeah he wrote i remember finding a lot of his older videos yeah yeah that's right before he got his start with all his um his own stuff okay okay so josh uh now that you've asked me who who was your biggest influence or what was your biggest influence what was it like russ russ swole <laughs> what Dude, russell was i should probably take around. his name out of the podcast yeah. just in case he wants to sponsor us <laughs> <laughs> no nah, man i mean he wasn't around but whenever i got around so like whenever he was just I, a he was just a a, a light a, in his father's eye he was a young tadpole he's probably playing d1 football or something still still trying to be a real athlete <laughs> but uh i well, remember you know they say most of the powerlifters are just athletes that couldn't make it that's true Ooh. i i, I stand by Ooh. that <laughs> and uh let me see let me let me get my, my and is like, oh, i don't want to get it. i don't want to touch that <laughs> um some of the people that influenced me early on in my beginnings of powerlifting uh my exercise phys teacher he was he was really into like strength sports. I didn't know what that was at the time, but uh, he uh, I remember he would just play like videos of um, weightlifters. So I didn't really even know what powerlifting was, and like I remember I he showed us a video of um Klokov snatching, and I was like, yeah, I want to do that. that oh, looks, that looks cool. And uh, after Klokov. after that, yeah. I I um. I ran into like a flyer at my college for the powerlifting club. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's what they do mm-hmm. over there. So I kind of just joined like on a whim. And um, yeah, I remember at the, that time, um, my old coach, um, he was he was um, mentoring Greg Greg Johnson. And I remember my first training session. Oh, yeah, Greg Johnson. Yeah, my first training session ever. I walked into the gym. And for those of y'all that don't know, Greg is a unit. Like, that dude is, that dude Mm -hmm. has horse legs. So, yeah, that was my first When I first saw him, I thought he was two men on each other's shoulders. Yeah. So, I saw him, like, deadlifting. So, I was like, yeah, I want to. I want to do that. Like, how do I, how do I do that? That looks cool. So he, he kind of like, I wouldn't say he influenced me too much to like be who I am now, but he definitely had like a, a good impact on me. Like starting out, he kind of gave me a few pointers like here and there. So yeah. Yeah. He, he influenced me quite a what bit. What was the purpose of him introducing you to that, to that video? Like, why was he showing you? Klokov snatch was it just for uh, he, he like, was, what was do you remember what the topic of the class was i have no idea why he did that but i just remember he was a big strength sport fan and he would just play like random videos mm, like at the okay. start of class yeah so then once i started mm. competing yeah do you remember konstantin konstantinov rest in peace 
Yeah, the Russian guy. He was a he was a Russian lifter, or he was a European lifter who was like known for never wearing a belt, and he would deadlift like insane amounts of weight, um, and he would never wear a belt. And yeah, that, that was one of the really, biggest uh, influence me. But I guess. <laughs> oh, well, I I remember watching his old videos because you mentioned Klokov and I remember me of Konstantinov, and I remember watching his old videos and thinking like, man, it's so cool to deadlift with no belt. Like, it's so awesome. Is that why you didn't deadlift without a belt? Yeah, <laughs> partially. Yeah, partially. Because I well, cause you you know you see these you see what these guys are capable of when you know they're doing it with minimal equipment, and I just thought that was the coolest thing. You know, like that's yeah. what, that's kind of what T Nation was always uh, preaching is that you didn't need like fancy equipment. You just kind of needed the mentality of of going in and getting work done. Um, do you, Josh? Do you think that uh, if not for that professor? that you would have had a longer time to get into the sport? Or do you think that you would have not been exposed to powerlifting at all? Uh, Honestly, if I'd never, yeah, if he never like exposed me to that and I didn't join powerlifting on a whim, I probably would have just been like a weightlifter. I probably would have realized that the, like that's not weightlifting and I would have just like figured out on my own, like, oh, okay, cool. But at that time, like weightlifting wasn't really like around. It wasn't as big as as it is now. Well, because it's interesting that you mentioned that. So for those who don't know, Dmitry Klokov is a Russian weightlifter, and differences between weightlifting and powerlifting. Again, for those who have no exposure to the sport, uh, powerlifting is composed of the big three: squat, bench, dead. And weightlifting um, has more of the technical things that you see in the Olympics. Um, that's why it's referred to as Olympic lifting. Yeah. Uh, the snatch, the clean and jerk, uh, et cetera. <laughs> just you know more about that than I do, Josh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's sure. interesting that your influence into lifting was from a weightlifter. Did yeah. you not ever think of trying to do weightlifting before you got into powerlifting? So, um, not really because there was no one to really teach it. Like my, my professor just had an interest in it, but he didn't really like teach it. And mm. there were no coaches around at that time. So, and um, like the, the school had a powerlifting team. So I was just like, well, I get like, I, I can like, I was like, I can squat. I like squatting. That's what weightlifters do. So I'll just squat. So yeah. <laughs> That's like that was my thought process, like going into like powerlifting, and then as I started to compete, I guess the people that really influenced me, it's not really like a singular person, but I I went to like the Aggie and the Longhorn Open, and seeing like mm-hmm. the depth of how strong, like everyone could be, that really like influenced me, to to keep powerlifting yeah well i guess it was all because of that one professor who happened to show you a, yeah. a, a oh. video of just a superhuman athlete yeah yeah so i mean i guess that's why like i kind of like collect shoes and stuff like that all because of my obsession with yeah well you you have a pretty weight extensive lifters. weightlifting collection i do yeah uh, i think i started uh started watching I think Matt Ogus 
uh, from Matt Ogus, I started watching. Oh, Matt Ogus. Matt Ogus, Bryce That's Lewis. A throwback Bryce, right there. I should have been following Bryce Lewis for a long time. Um, oh, Bryce, dude. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I think it was. I, I'm not sure who was who was the first one, but it was um, Matt Ogus, Bryce Lewis, and Candido was like the first three channels I I followed. Um, I think the reason why I got into just lifting in Mine general was definitely Omar Isaf. Awesome. Uh, I, I forgot when I remember I the first time Omar. that you picked up a barbell. Uh, but I think um, no, honestly, no, I don't. <laughs> okay. I remember benching. <laughs> I remember the first time benching. Do you, was it when you benched 185 pounds? No, I benched like. Um, do, do you remember? I tried the... to bench like 130. I benched 95 pounds, and it was felt like a house. But if we're going to go back to like my first time lifting, I was never, I wasn't in sports like yeah, growing up. I. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't play like soccer or basketball or football or intramural or anything. It wasn't until high school that I started picking up an interest in like barbell strength. I don't, and the, 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 the reason that I first got into weights was because my, my older brother, he gifted me a set of of dumbbells like uh loadable loadable dumbbells that only got up to like 20 pounds each arm and uh the summer of going into high school i remember all i did was curl and do like just dumbbell exercises whatever i could think of like no internet connection no access to any other uh, knowledge base except for whatever i could think of and then once i started like getting addicted to it I started going to the weight room at, at the high school, but I didn't do any like powerlifting. I just did whatever I went in. I had no concept of like programming or anything. Like I just went in. Just, I remember okay. like, and I said like 135 was heavy and I didn't squat. I didn't deadlift. I just benched, did like hack squats. And I just, I wanted to get, I, I just wanted to increase my bench. So, so you guys started off with just benching. Yeah, I remember funny, I used to just curl I just started off bench. with just squatting. <laughs> the first time I ever stepped into like a weight room, like that thought never even crossed my mind. It was like the weight room was like a place where people like got on the treadmill or you squatted. Like that was like everything else was pointless. No, I never thought about squatting. Yeah, never. no, me neither. I didn't squat until my freshman year of high school. That was the first time I squatted and I had been lifting, quote unquote, for four years prior to that. So I, I hadn't, I, I always thought that I was a bad squatter, so I didn't do it. Oh, man. Are you? Are that's you a bad so squatter cool. or are you a good squatter? That's not the point of this podcast, <laughs> Anas. What's <laughs> your best squat, Abe? Yeah, honestly, um, I, think, I think the reason I got into lifting in general was for the uh, confidence boost. Because, you know, just, I, at most points in time, in high school, I can find myself going to the gym when it was like a dramatic breakup with a girlfriend or um, maybe I had a rough day. And that's kind of where the the realization that I could use lifting as a, as a stress relief kind of really kicked in. I just wanted to do it because I wanted to be a weightlifter. So I, I think after I saw Klokov snatching... I asked my teacher, I was like, well, how can I do that? <laughs> He's like, I don't know. Uh, I think those guys are really good at squatting. I said, okay, I'll just squat then. Since I don't, <laughs> I don't know what else to do. 
So that's like at least you had that you had that motivation to want to do more though. Like I didn't know anything about anything. Like I just I just went in and I saw like the 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 you know the I don't want to say juiced up freaks, but <laughs> there was a there was oh, a couple of dudes who were who were on on oh, yeah. who were well no 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 that was before T Nation. This was like you know in my high school there were some folks who were on a football team who were known for benching a lot and a lot back then was like you know. 225 245 and i have i have this i have this memory of me on one bench with 135 pounds and then some of the football players had been able to bench with uh the 100 pound plates one on each side and i just thought that that was like the peak of strength 100 pound plates yeah they were like old rusty if you touch them you get tetanus um, but I thought I was looking at these guys and I'm like, man, that's strong. Like that's super strong, you know, that, so it was kind of, it was a bit of ego as well. It was like competition. Like I wanted to be strong like them. I wanted to be stronger than them. Um, so, you know, a lot of contributing factors into why I kind of got into lifting, but squatting and deadlift definitely weren't on the radar. Nice. Yeah. I think I remember for the first year of lifting, I think I only did arms and upper body stuff i've never i don't remember we doing tell. any lower <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who want to see anasa's only fans uh just you know drop a link in the chat heck yeah everyone wants to see that you, you, gotta... anasa, you played sports though right yeah, i played soccer i played soccer um for like over 10 years mm-hmm. so you were an athlete going into becoming a powerlifter um yeah i think it's um I mean, I stopped playing soccer and I and I moved to gaming for a while. Then after, 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 yeah, like after not also, having. Are uh, you saying gamers are not athletes? <laughs> they are now, actually. Yes, they they get they're paid. Sport athletes. They get paid pretty yeah. well. They, yeah, yeah. But so you went from soccer to gaming. I mean, not competitive gaming. Just I was I wasn't that good either. No, but you so you, you took a you took kind of a sabbatical. You took a break from from you know playing soccer and you were more sedentary so do you think that you got into lifting as a means of like kind of get back to something more physical like kind of something to to put your your energy into yeah yeah i think i was more into running and um just doing upper body stuff we were the same person i also did a lot of running uh because i was fat so running was cheap and it was a good way to to burn calories (laughs) (laughs) i've gone the opposite way i would just yeah, we were. It was. It's interesting. Anas and I are the same person, and then Josh and and Anas are the, are different people. I'm just which an means that, yeah. <laughs> yes. If I had known about weightlifting, I would have put similar effort into into you know learning about all it took to be a good weightlifter. It's just I didn't have any. Like I said, I, I barely had internet access when I was in high school, so I just didn't put much effort into. Um. I didn't put much effort into like studying about weightlifting. I just put, I just, I put more effort into just going to the gym and just trial by error or trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So you haven't had a person you followed like who would lift insane amounts of weights and like, and it wouldn't make any sense to you. I know I remember watching Bryce Lewis. Yeah. For me, at least I remember watching Bryce Lewis squat like five, 600 pounds 
I was like, and it never made any sense. Like, I'm like, I don't, I don't even understand what is this. I don't even know what what's going on at that point. <laughs> yeah, you mean like to get you into lifting? Yeah, like I didn't understand. Yeah, like have, to, that influenced him into lifting. Yeah, I didn't have any understanding of what it takes to squat this much, or if it, is it even possible? Like, or like I wasn't, I had no perception of what's going on. <laughs> Just watching someone squat that much. Yeah, no, yeah. the same. But yeah, I didn't start by like looking at an athlete though. I mean, I mean, I didn't start by looking at like athletes online. I started by like looking at the 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 football players in my my high school gym, and I was looking at them bench those hundred pound plates, and I was like, "There's no way! Like, how is that? Like, they're doing it for reps." Yeah. I'm like, "What? You know, I'm think I'm thinking to myself like, how how do they even have the ability?" to to go and do for that more than one rep yeah yeah and then and do that yeah that that was me when i first saw greg it's like how is he greg yeah how is he lifting that much off the floor and he's not he's not dead yeah and then um, <laughs> in fact i'm competing our... with greg this weekend <laughs> oh shout oh, out yeah. Greg. yeah shout out greg shout out Anasa's meet this weekend Shout out Anasa's meat. Anasa, are you going to let us know how it went? Uh, it depends. If I total over 700, I'll let you know. If not, we'll... Y'all, we have promise to no it. matter what, we're going to let y'all know how Anasa's meat went in the next podcast. So, <laughs> do y'all have anything My else Arby's to say meat. before we wrap it up? That's we, don't tease, we don't want to tease them too much, but Anasa's is going to have an Arby's singlet, and he's going to be using... <sighs> their new Arby's fish sandwich to load up on salt. How That's how I'm going to rehydrate. Did y'all see that uh, Arby's has a fish sandwich now? I got a, I got a, yeah. I didn't, there I was didn't, a commercial for that on TV. I didn't know Arby's was still in business, honestly. Bro, this, uh, this fish sandwich looks good. You know, what's funny too, is that they, they did a comparison to the McDonald's fish sandwich, bro. They went in on mcdonald's they were like do you want to eat this small sandwich or do you want to eat this big old sandwich like that's what they said it's it's funny how they 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 said the word mcdonald's yeah they compared (laughs) it to like the worst fish sandwich on the market like you can't get a worst fish sandwich at mcdonald's (laughs) (laughs) look no one even gets a fish sandwich i'm gonna go to arby's (laughs) I like the filet fish Oh. What was that? Yeah, I used to get it. that all the time when I was a little kid. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. If you made it this far in the podcast, give us a follow at ChalkMyBack on Instagram. Have a great week. <laughs> Say bye, Anas. Okay. Bye, Anas. Come on. Say okay. bye, Josh. Bye-bye. Monkey. 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 Oh, oh.